there are lots of lousy businesses, and there's lots of wonderful businesses. It's the art and science of money. My job has been to try and figure out which is which. It's Hi-Fi Radio from the Global News Radio Studios in Toronto with Hi-Fi Portfolio Managers. Here's Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hartle. Yeah, good morning. Welcome back to the show about money. It's a show for you, my good friends. Yes, Jack and I are here to hold your hand to help you along the financial path of success and uh, goodness. Uh, goodness for all, my good friends. A uh, couple weeks away from Christmas, and uh, well, the retailers are racking it up. Black Friday, of course, is come and gone, and uh, looks like uh, the enthusiasm uh, by the consumer uh, remains quite robust. And uh, I'll tell you that wealth effect is going to begin to kick in. It's, uh, this bull market that's taking place in the equity market, uh, in the stock market, I'm going to say, is not terribly well loved, and the market keeps going higher and higher and higher. And, but for those who are long, those who are participating, uh, they are going to feel a little wealthier this season as the markets basically are at all-time highs. Um, it's always fun to do a little retro rewind to see if things Jack and I have discussed on air in the uh, past, and uh, today's no better time to do so as we have... Um, Patrick Ceresna of Big Picture Trading. Uh, he is our bear, uh, I shall say, uh, along with Javid uh, Canaccord Genuity's uh, in-house technician. He's a technical analyst, which is incredible because actually technical analysts, uh, although the uh, discipline of looking at charts, price, and volume uh gains traction, there are fewer and fewer technicians being employed on the street. Pay attention to that, Javid. Uh, for us to be able to have one at our disposal uh, is, is very valuable because um, uh, it's just a different way of looking at the market. Uh, and I like to put them all together. I like technicals. I like basic fundamentals. Uh, there's also a thing called quants, which basically takes technicals and fundamentals and puts them together. Uh, but then there's the most fun part of this business, and that is the right brain. That's where the Wolfman gets to have fun. Yep, right brain thinking. Um, and then does this create uh, down the road, uh, you know, off the charts? But uh, if you recall from the movie from Hollywood back, I guess it was an 80s hit, uh, Trading Places, um, Eddie Murphy um, got to uh, learn his or, or demonstrate his abilities to, to I guess, trade uh, orange juice. And there was a wager uh, between uh, the owners of a brokerage firm, uh, Duke and Duke. Uh, was the name of the brokerage firm, and uh, I think they put a dollar wager to see whether or not uh, Eddie could uh, handle the uh, challenges of trading orange juice. Uh, and so, uh, back in April, uh, Javit and Patrick were in studio, and it was a lot of fun because Javit was the bull, and Patrick was the bear. And Patrick, uh, back in April, first of all, the, the market was trading at 2,900 S&P points. Uh, today, uh, just to put things in context, the market is trading at 3170 S&P points. So it's up about 6% since uh, April. Um, but again, April, the market had a big rally off of the December lows. Uh, so Patrick was believing that the bit of a head fake and the uh, market was about to crash. And so Patrick Ceresna was calling for a 25% uh, decline. Um, Javit uh, made the um, out on a limb call saying that the market was going to go up 3%. Uh, <laughs> and they placed a bet on that. Uh, and it was a dollar. It was a Canadian dollar, American dollar, guys. Had to be Canadian dollar. Yes, it's a learning. Canadian dollar. Oh, you got to see what Patrick is about to hand over. This is good. This is really, he's got a paper. Look, you can hear it. Queen Elizabeth, you look good. Wow. That's right. 
That's worth Javid, something. you're going to have to frame that, buddy. I will frame, you frame that's, it. That's incredible. I, I've been collecting these, and I figure if we're going to do a Duke, Duke and Duke, pulling out a old school Canadian dollar to settle the bet. That's right. i got to get a picture of that. i got to get Absolutely. I, it, it, gee, bet I, in the handshake. You know, if I knew, knew how to, I'd even do a selfie with that lady. Hold that up, Patrick. I'll get a picture of you with that one. Java's now good. Turn, turn around, Java, so I can see the queen. Nice and high there. There we go. Wow. A real Canadian dollar. Oh, that's good. Yeah, you, you scored something there, Javit. You, you <laughs> scored. Um, so, gentlemen, here we are. Uh, the market is at an all-time high. It's been a great year. Last year was a soft year. Um, and again, my belief of the market is basically you have three good years and then you have a fourth year where it gives back. And it's incredible, Javit, because that sort of ties into the four-year cycle, um, which I have been a student of as I go back to my bank days where they taught me about the four-year cycle. And you and I both work at the same bank. Um, so, uh, gentlemen, here we are, end of... 2019, uh, we had a Trump tweet this week that pushed the markets higher. Um, 2020, what's in store? Over to Patrick to begin with. Are you still bearish? I think that um, all the reasons why I was bearish are still very much fundamentally there. What, the whole thing got delayed largely because uh, we had a huge uh, bond rally. Interest rates uh, basically nosedived from like uh, yields of 2.8% down to like one4 and this uh, this acted like a huge stimulus, and then the Fed started to cut interest rates, and they juiced up basically the market, and so there was this huge stimulus that's been more or less uh, allowing the the whole thing to push forward. But once you remove the stimulus, all of the reasons I was concerned about the markets are still there, uh, and so I overall I still think there are risks on that. I'm now I'm not bearish on everything. I'm actually quite bullish on commodities and uh, a lot of different sectors like this but but overall i think that there's a it's asymmetrically skewed where there's limited upside and, and considerable downside risk eventually when the day of reckoning comes so patrick if, if the fed takes away the punch bowl if they raise rates um you would expect sort of what, you would expect what they sort of had last year and like you said uh, i don't think they're going to do it they've said that they're not going to do it unless they see inflation above two percent and probably meaningfully above two percent so for the time being the the fed's coming out and saying you know what the party's on for risk assets like you said commodities and also yeah. equities. I think that it's not a, a, so much the Fed. The Fed is reacting to, for instance, what the euro dollar markets are kind of forward pricing. The reality is that the bond market is going to make the big move. If we see interest rates structurally, uh, structurally rise, let's say the 10-year yields north of 2%, that's going to actually have the reverse effect of what the stimulus that we had earlier this year. So you're saying maybe the Fed actually loses control of the bond market? That's where you have a crisis? Well, I don't know if they were ever in control the long end of the curve, uh, right? I mean, they're definitely controlling the short end interest rates. But I think that uh, if we see structural rise in interest rates on the long end, that's going to start to drag on the markets. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio, my good friends. Good morning. Happy weekend to you. Uh, I do wish you the best of the day. And, of course, we're here to help you get through it, certainly from a financial footing point of view. Lots of great wisdom on the show. We do uh, our best to uh, offer that advice to you uh, each and every week. Your cost. Uh, stay tuned. Uh, more Hi-Fi Radio on the Global News Radio Network, 640 in Toronto. Money. Let's take a break. But after, Wolf and Jack will continue their in-depth discussion about money. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio, 640 Toronto.
Welcome back to the show of money. It's called Hi-Fi Radio. 640 in Toronto, I am Wolfgang Klein, your host, Portfolio Manager, along with Jack Hartle, Portfolio Manager. Uh, yes, we take care of people's money, and uh, we're very good at it. Uh, if you don't believe me, just go to the website, WolfgangKlein.com. Take a look at our numbers, my good friends. And those numbers, yes, they're numbers, they're mathematics, but to create those numbers, both sides of the brain must be working, left and right, and you put them together. And hopefully some magic comes out. Well, I believe those numbers are magical. Very proud of those numbers, and we're happy to post those numbers. We benchmark our numbers. Um, you know, benchmarks are nice bogeys to have, and we like to outperform, uh, if at all possible. Net of fees as well, my good friends. Yes, and don't ever forget, you do get what you pay for. And sometimes you get more, and we believe we deliver more. Uh, on this show, it's a show about money, and we're bringing you some fresh concepts, fresh ideas, and some rare breeds. Uh, Javid Mirza a technical analyst uh, employed full-time by Canaccord Genuity, available to Jack and I to help us make our daily uh, investment decisions by hold uh, or fold. Um, so uh, Javid, of course, won the uh, Canadian dollar, uh, the fiat currency, but it's paper. It's probably worth two bucks, that puppy, because uh, it is a piece of paper. It's a Canadian dollar. I wonder when did that go to circulation? When did they get rid of that? Probably the late 80s, I think. And introduced the loony. Yeah, maybe early 90s. And then came the toonie. Uh, then we have the trifecta, I guess, eh? The, the trini? I don't know. We have a $3 bill. It doesn't matter. Uh, what does matter is Mark's at an all-time high. It's 19, 2019, it is. Yeah, 2019. Um, next year is the uh, presidential election. Uh, from a four-year cycle point of view, correct me if I'm wrong, Javit, the third year of the presidential cycle tends to be the strongest. And I remember talking to Jack about that in January. So we got a few things that are back right now, mm-hmm. uh, despite what uh, uh, Patrick believes. Um, and this is going back now to January this year. And one is the third year cycle, or the presidential cycle, where the third year tends to be the strongest. Am I correct with that statement? I believe so. Right. And then the fourth year tends to be okay. The first year tends to be okay. It's the second year of the cycle that tends to be uh, the one where the president's able to make some not so uh, uh, appeasing um, policy um, uh, policies, perhaps, because uh, he has enough time to, in front of the midterm elections, to still uh, right the ship and, and, and get reelected, if, if he's going to do anything that is not necessarily um, uh, best to the populace, shall I say. Um, so what, what is your take on next year, uh, 2020? Are we going to make money? Is it still a secular bull market? Because Patrick says commodities look good. I'm seeing an uptick in commodities, both oil and gas and the base metal. And for the S&P to continue to perform, commodities shouldn't according to some work that you've done. I like that work. Yeah. When commodities work, the U.S. market doesn't. When the U.S. market works, commodities don't. Right. So to take a long-term step back and view, and it's what we chatted about previously, we're in a secular bull market in equities that we see has upside out into 2030. Conversely, we're in a secular bear market in commodities. Mm-hmm. So you can get these counter-trend bounces. So I, I agree with Patrick right here, right now. We're seeing a pretty good jump here in commodities. That was actually one of our calls for the year, that emerging markets would do well this year. And so far, it's panned out. Now, what- but, but everything's done well this year. Yeah. Uh, has, have emerging markets helped perform the American markets? I'd have to double check. I, I don't. I don't, know I don't think so. And because no. well, I, I always consider, I'm sorry to say, Canada is emerging market because as emerging markets go, so does Canada because of our commodity well, centricity. We, and we have lagged the U.S. market. We're up 18. percent The U.S. market's up 25. percent Yeah, exactly. And the U.S. Canada has such a large commodity component, and that's been our view, in line with our longer term view, is that the TSX will underperform 
the S&P 500 for the next 10 years because of the larger commodity right. weighting. Right, correct. So uh, I continue to ask the secular bull market till 2030 mm-hmm. next year, 2020. I'm, I'm very short-sighted, which is a terrible way to invest. I'm no, kid- not, I'm not kidding, at all. I'm, I'm kidding, obviously. Yeah, I mean, there's opportunities to really make money, like which is what we saw this year, and that was our call and our view. Next year should be a pretty good year. Um, we put out our outlook piece at the end of this year, so I'll be running through the actual numbers then. But I believe next year, from the work that we do, and you've seen it, you've you know you go through my publications, that our four-year cycle work suggests double-digit returns next year for the S and P five hundred. Double-digit returns yeah. next year. So, so, so look, is that sector specific or just broad, broadly based invested? No. So there are certain sectors and areas of the market that we favor. And to clients, we've been telling them about the three I's and that we're shifting into the second phase of this four-year cycle. So it was insurance, infotech, and industrials. And we think towards likely the middle. Sorry, are you speaking speaking Canada now, weren't you? Globally. globally. Insurance? Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. And what we're likely to see at some point next year is basic materials. We're already starting to see the copper stocks take off here and, we are. and bottom. Yeah. Yep. And uh, you, CQ's breaking out. CQ looks really good. Arc looks better. It's uh, funny because you know that was the what I wrote in my weekly note this week. The, the title basically was buy energy stocks because our work within the context of the secular bull market into 2030 says we're in a new four-year cycle that has upside at least into 2021. And from the work we do, because we also do quantitative work using our Quest, which is our in-house product, the energy stocks look, they've been bombed out. Let's face it, they've been under a lot of pressure and they look attractive here for a run out into 2021. Yeah. You are listening to Hi-Fi Radio. Um, It's so much fun. It's uh, just continuously uh, evolving. theatrics that takes place in the world of finance. Uh, and again, it's the right brain that makes it so interesting. That's the tricky part of this business. It really, really is. Because um, that's you're getting a cyclical counter rally bouncing commodities. That has to, again, be very right brain oriented. Fundamentally, uh, as, as Javis speaks to, the secular moves, I think, are, are more fundamentally uh, cemented. I think the shorter term moves a little bit more uh, emotionally uh, driven, uh, p- quick price adjustments and, and, and the such. doesn't matter. Uh, we're here for you, my good friends. And uh, there is more talk about commodities, more talk about oil and uh, base metals. Uh, very important to the Toronto Stock Exchange uh, as we have Patrick Seresner on air. He's a technician. And we have Ken Accord's very own in-house technician, uh, Javid Mirza, in the studio. And we're going to be talking about how your money may perform next year. Please. Stay tuned. Don't go anywhere. There's more great show after this. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio 640 Toronto. You got to know when to hold them. Know when to fold them. Know when to walk away. And know when to run. You never count your money. When you're sitting at the table, there'll be time enough for counting. Yeah. Good morning. Little country, eh? There's a little country in all of us, my good friends. Uh, yeah, count your money. It's a, I'm going to repeat a story I mentioned last week because uh, it stuck with me. Uh, a book I read uh, about the market, my favorite book about the market, uh, uh, called Reminiscences 
of a stock operator. Uh, it's about an individual, a real individual named Jesse Livermore, and he continuously has been written up as one of the finest stock traders of all time. And it's remarkable when you read the work about Jesse Livermore, nothing has really changed. Uh, and that is that whole right brain human psychology, fear, greed, etc. It doesn't change. Perhaps some of the um, uh, actors do, but uh, nope. Uh, the play continues to repeat itself. It's very, very exciting and uh, reminiscent of a stock operator. I strongly encourage you to read the book. Uh, market's at an all-time high. Um, you know, intuitively, I would say, gee whiz, should I do some selling in there? Should I take some money off the table? And uh, so far, I haven't. And Holding them has been the right thing to do. Uh, Patrick, of course, folded last year. Um, Javit, of course, uh, said, hold them. You may want to take a little trim here and there. Um, it's tricky uh, at the uh, at the margin. But we, for, let's, let's start with commodity stocks. Um, you're getting a bounce in commodity stocks. Uh, is it a head fake? Uh, do they? Will it stick? Will they go higher? And But more importantly, with, with oil. Uh, Patrick, again, you use the word fundamental. Fundamentally, I can't get it through my little brain how we're going to move an, a new barrel of oil out of the ground from Canada into the United States. Uh, we are bottlenecked. I don't see a new pipeline yet. I don't see more crude by rail yet. Uh, so why get excited about Canadian energy names uh, with the fundamental gridlock that we have? Just because they're too cheap or is there... a impending catalyst that uh, is going to get the crude more effectively uh, to market. Uh, can you speak to that, Javit? On the fundamental side, on oil? Yeah. Well, I can Sorry, talk. Sorry, guys. Javit took a little nap there. Yeah. Don't you do that at home, folks. You stay awake now. Pay attention. No, I'm just processing your question. I'm just kidding. On, on, the, on the technical side, I can talk to oil. And what we're seeing here is it's in a new intermediate-term uptrend. Upside target. The, the We reached 77 uh, during the last four-year cycle. So ultimately, out into 2021, I think maybe we could get up to around the 75 level. But now speaking, let's talk about this as well. Well, it comes down to valuation, no, no, right? No, let's talk about the Saudis. The Saudis. Yeah. Um, because they, they just issued stock, Jack, and we were just talking about this uh, yesterday. Saudi Aramco, yeah. Aramco. The world's largest publicly traded company. Uh, $1.8 trillion valuation, first day of trading stock up 10%. Hit $2 uh, trillion. It hit $2 trillion. So uh, I'm now an international investor. I operate in Switzerland, yes. Mm -hmm. And I have to place my bets. Canada or Saudi Arabia? Which way am I going to place my bets? Canada. It's more diversified. With oil? Are you talking I'm just talking oil. I'm, talking, I'm, a, I'm a Swiss money manager. I have to make an oil allocation of, say, 7%. Am I going to buy Canadian producers or am I going to buy perhaps this new Darlin? Uh, by the uh, by the what is the prince or by the, uh, the what do they call the regime? Well, I'll be the royal family. I, yeah. the, if if I could pine in, please, on yeah, this one. The, the I personally think you have to go with the politically safe region. Like it, there's too many variables in uh, Saudi Arabia. Like in Canada, we follow very strict laws, and you're protected as an investor in so many different ways. So you can try to justify the valuation of of investing in Saudi, but uh, I'm I just wouldn't. Wouldn't, I, I wouldn't trust. The, well, they have, I, 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 I agree. With, I agree with Patrick too. Valuation matters, and valuation depending on political and geography and uh, security and all that stuff. But the other thing I'm going to say, Patrick and, and Wolfgang as well, so there was a very successful IPO. What do you think they're going to do next, Wolf? Now they got the valuation they actually want. Sell, sell more paper. They're, they're going to feed the market. Correct. That's what they do. So again, if they're going to feed the market, that market is going to soak up capital, capital that otherwise could have come to Canada. 
There's only so much oil money. I, I think they're going to put a cap on the valuation, and I think Canadian assets in the ground are, you know, you got the biggest trading partner next door. We're going to figure out a way to get these resources out of the ground. You're coming from a very depressed level. So, yes, I'm going to I'm gonna agree with Patrick. Yeah, interesting. Well, certainly the charts are not lying right now. Crude looks better. Um, C&Q is a name that Jack and I have been um, doing some additional homework on. And fundamentally, uh, it, it, it's, a, it's a very, very sound business. Uh, it, it, it's growing its dividend. It has the, the largest reserve or second largest reserve in Canada. Yeah. Um, and, and, and you talk about valuations. Well, if these companies in Canada, free cash flow yield on these companies, if they do nothing, if they don't even explore and, and get more assets, which they can't yeah. get to market anyways, you're talking about 10 to 15%. And the reason why they're so high is because the stock's been beaten down so low and they're so depressed because of investor sentiment. So I know where oil is at. I know the Canadian market has been terrible this year in energy, but valuations do matter over the longer term. They do, no, yeah, no doubt, no doubt about it. There's also an interesting stat, which I kind of use as a, a measure of sentiment. Right now, when you take the uh, S&P energy index and all the components within it, the market capitalization of all of those energy stocks to make up that component have less market capitalization than market cap of Apple. That's a, it. It just shows you how destroyed the energy space has been. And yet, but yet this, this the Saudi uh, uh, company has has a market cap of Apple and Microsoft combined. That's right. So that, that's that's quite ironic as well. Sorry, I, I went a bunch yeah, of yeah. I just wanted to add a point to that, uh, Patrick. That's a great point. What I would add, which is in conjunction with that, is something I read a couple of weeks ago, is that the S and P five hundred energy sector is actually the highest yielding sector. In the S and P five hundred, yeah, that's value, and that's why it is. But the dogs of the Dow this year uh, had no bark, uh, which are the highest yielding components of the Dow. The ten mm-hmm. highest yielding stocks. It's it, just exciting stuff, gentlemen. Um, are we going to have them back in this year? Probably not. Uh, so I want to wish you best of the season. Uh, Patrick Ceresna, uh, technician, uh, Big Picture Trading, and the Market Huddle podcast. Uh, you may want to check out his podcast. Uh, lots of fun. He does a, a lot of work with our other friend, Kevin Muir. Uh, really um, outside-of-the-box thinking. Um, but you know, my friends, uh, each and every one of you at home, you needn't think a whole lot. Keep it real simple, stupid. Every single paycheck. Put some money aside. Buy a quality mutual fund, a quality ETF, or give it to a quality manager like Jack and I, and we will allocate your assets for you. You must do this over decades. I have now have firsthand experience of watching people successfully compound and build wealth. It takes time, decades. But once the magic begins, year 20, year 25, you will be so happy. Trust me, you just got to think longer term, not with individual names, but with the process. All right. Um, there's more Hi-Fi Radio. We're going to get into e-gaming. Uh, again, a whole new sphere uh, of entertainment and media. Uh, and it's just such a unique, unique breed. You want to be uh, uh, staying tuned to Hi-Fi Radio uh, right after this. Money. Listen, we're going to take a break. But when we come back, money. more money talk. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Uh, good morning to you. Yeah, turn that off. I can't take any more of it. It's good. It's appropriate. It's appropriate for eSports. A new phenomena is taking place uh, in my house and around the world. In my house with my son, Elliot, who had to relocate his uh, computer right beneath the Wi-Fi. Yes, the Wi-Fi, because uh, he was, we don't have on a cab five or whatever is the, the latest and greatest. And he was yelling at us that we don't have the proper Wi-Fi connection. And as such, well, 
you had to relocate <laughs> in the basement directly beneath the Wi-Fi. And he sits in the basement by himself in his chair and then off he goes. He's so content, so happy. On the floor is some Reese's Pieces and three cans of Coke. I showed Jack a picture. He laughed. He <laughs> wanted junk food on the floor around my kid as he's playing eSports. So Jack and I called Elliot up a couple of days ago and said, Elliot, help us out here with uh, e-gaming, eSports. Um, what's up? What's going on? And uh, away he went. We ended up buying Activision stock uh, coming out of that conversation. Uh, technically, it was actually the best performing out of uh, Electronic Arts, Activision, and Take-Two Interactive. Uh, so Elliot educated me uh, about how it works, sort of. I said, bottom line, I'm a money guy. Anyone making money? Do any of your friends, Elliot, make money playing e sports and he said no uh then i chatted with my daughter shivani who uh is constantly playing i believe it's called minecraft uh i thought that was owned by activision no daddy it is owned by take two interactive a stock that jack and i once owned no sorry electronic arts i think owns um minecraft uh so anyways the world's changing uh i love software i love entertainment i love media and uh esports really is is covering off uh, a whole lot of that. Plus, you get a little Madison Square Gardens in it with uh, with it as well. But you're sort of challenged because the industry is private. Uh, so a lot of moving parts, and I think it was a very hot sector. Uh, tricky to uh, invest in yet, but certainly not too late to learn about it. Uh, a few weeks ago, we had uh, Evan Cubison uh, and Martin Katz. Uh, we were just talking about uh, media and uh, uh, e-sports and uh, Martin Katz, of course, up on the streets of Toronto with me for Covenant House. Uh, Evan Cubis is a litigator formerly. He's a lawyer, um, but is now uh, otherwise known as Jerry Maguire, show me the money, uh, as he is representing w- Esports athletes, teams, uh, teams, players, venues, creators, streamers, influencers, pretty much anyone related to the esports space. Uh, Evan, thanks for coming back in uh, to the studio. Evan Cubis, uh, ladies and gentlemen, appreciate you coming in. Me. But you, so you brought in uh, a client of yours. Uh, you signed the waiver. Client confidentiality mm-hmm. is out the window right now. Be aware of that. Chris, carpe diem. Uh, huh, huh? Everything yeah. is free game today. Yeah, everything counts in small amounts. Chris Lama, thank you very kindly. Of Shattered Dream Esports, correct? That is correct. Um, so, Chris, uh, off air, I asked you what you did. I'm going to ask you on air. So, uh, what is Shattered Dreams all about? So what do you do, Chris? Fill me in. So, I am the CEO of Shattered Dreams Esports. Uh, what we are is an amateur developmental organization based out of Toronto. Uh, so, we're trying to build up the best talent in specific game titles and for streamers. Um, so, we work with them. Day to day, we get them into tournaments. We uh, help them with their production on their streams, uh, and then we try to filter them out into the the bigger organizations in the league right now or can in the team. Uh, can, can, can we dumb this down a little bit? Yeah. How, how like where's the industry going, and how does it work today? Uh, I understand uh, how a team works in the traditional sense, uh, but th- this is really leveraging off the traditional hockey team, basketball team. Uh, baseball team, I guess, uh, but in a different dimension. So maybe explain that to the audience. What's taking place? So from from our angle, just from just from a player perspective, from an industry perspective. So like you said about your son, he's he's playing these games right now, and he doesn't really have anywhere to go or to make money. So what we're trying to provide is that opportunity. So we find those players who are not making money right now. We bring them into our organization, and we actually find areas for them to. To thrive in. So, so, so Chris, what does that pathway look like? So, for traditional sports, you start in Little League. The the kid goes up and down the ice. No one can stop them. Then they get into AAA and then junior, maybe college, and then the minors and then the pros. Right. For an eSports 
child. Uh, maybe I don't know how old they would start, but they start probably pretty young. We have about uh, the youngest on our roster right now is about 14 years old. Okay, so 14 years old. Yeah. So what what is the path for them to take it to to start out and then take it to the next level and then finally become someone that can make money in esports? So I, I don't think that funnel really exists right now. Right. Where there's nowhere really for them to get noticed. I see. Uh, unless they're doing it themselves. So we actually take that stance for them. So that's what you're doing. You're sort of shaping their career path so that they can get to the point where right, they monetize right. uh, esports, and then that's when Evan takes over, and then obviously negotiates contracts and the likes. Yeah, so exactly. So kind of fundamentally speaking, kind of the developmental side of the esports space is very much untouched, and there's a huge opportunity. You're seeing a lot of companies trying to come in and take advantage of it because currently, like you said, you know, if you're going through hockey, you got select, AAA, you got a path to the collegiate level, and then to the pros. That kind of farm system or path does not currently exist in the esports space and it's a void that Chris is trying to fill by creating an amateur organization for a lot of these esports athletes. Because so I asked Elliot because I, I, I can't remember what the question was what the answer was. It was something to the effect of you can actually learn to get better because uh, certain players will host I guess online tutorials as to how to do certain moves and they no different than Tiger Woods pulling out his 9-iron and hitting it what four or five hundred times in an afternoon uh, some of these pro E gamers will practice certain moves. But I don't know what the moves would be. You would know. Well, yeah, but, it depends on the game, of course. But, but Chris, again, because Ellie's very intrigued by all of this and, and, and this show, and he's going to be asking me, uh, what would be the probability, and, and, and specific to your clientele, like, are, are your clients making money playing uh, video games? Most of them are. Uh, our top teams definitely are. Um, and, I mean, we start them in specific areas, so we'll, we'll get them into a, a small tournament at first, see where they're at, Work with we have uh, a mental performance coach and a, and coaches for specific titles on board as well who help with the skill building, and then we'll get them into larger tournaments with bigger prize pools once we know that it's worth getting them into those. So there, I mean, there's an investment on our side coming in where we actually have to pay for prize pooling, and then they have the opportunity to to win a tournament and win win money on that sense. Well, my kid's gonna make it into big league. That's what I can say to you. Uh, this is Hi Fi Radio. Global News Radio, 640 in Toronto. We're talking about eSports. Uh, Chris Lama of Shattered Dreams is in the studio. Uh, he uh, coaches and advises uh, 40 youngsters with respect to eSports and how to make a career out of it. Uh, Evan Cubis is a lawyer uh, dealing specifically in the arena of eSports. Friends, if you are if you think you got what it takes, uh, you may want to contact either Evan Cubis or, or Chris Lama. And I guess, well, perhaps... Uh, I guess have an interview with them. Um, we'll learn more about how you proceed with your dream of making the big leagues uh, in the world of cyber right after this. Making money is the best. So how do you make more money? Come on back after this. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Just because we get around Talking about my generation Things ain't do look awful Talking about my generation I hope I die before I get old yeah, That's what uh, I once thought Not now Nope, I'm going to the end Long time around I think I'm getting a little crunchier as I get older But what can I do? Uh, I'm not going to play sports I'll leave that to my kids But um, certainly a, a phenomena uh, that that's unfolding right in front of us, and I have heard of heard stories of youngsters saying, "You know, pass on college. It's not working for me. I can make more money 
playing video games. Hard to believe. When I was a boy, we'd line up our quarters on a pinball machine, wait in line, and hopefully the guy in front of you wasn't very good, but they always were good winning free games. You'd be waiting in that pizzeria for hours to play a little Eldorado. I've dated myself, but that's okay. I can do that. Um, I said to Jack before the show, I said, you know, I think I have to do a little uh, volunteer trip. Uh, somewhere to to watch an e-sports event. I've got a great uh, note here every week. Canaccord publishes an e-sports weekly report, and I you know I, I, I glaze over it a little bit each each now and then just to get a feel for what's going on. Again, the sector is very difficult to invest in today because everything is private. Uh, I own Activision stock, uh, of course, but there's so much more to esports than uh, a few game publishers. But esports levels up with. Uh, SEA Games debut, uh, taking a step in the sporting mainstream on Thursday as it made its debut at the Southeast Asian Games, becoming a medal event for the first time at an Olympic-recognized multi-sport competition. Um, the, the photograph I'm looking at, although in black and white, uh, of this e-sports e, uh, e event, it looks Remarkable. So I said to Jack, I should actually go to one of these events. I guess probably Vegas would be one of the best markets to see such an event take place. Um, Toronto's pretty good too. Really? Yeah, well, we got a Call of Duty team here and Overwatch team here as well. So you got a lot of opportunities. Yeah, but can you, can you actually go and watch them play live? And Absolutely. Play? So, Come, so tell me about the event. Overwatch itself, I think, is being taken place at Roy Thompson Hall for their home games this year. Um, and Call of Duty is... At uh, Maple Leaf Gardens. Maple Leaf Gardens. Oh. So you can, and tickets are on sale now. So there's lots of opportunities to see some live events. And, and what's, the, what's the attendance like on these events? Because you've well, got to... Uh, yeah, yeah it, I, I, I guess... Time will tell. Uh, this is the first season uh, okay. that they're doing uh, home and away games and based here in Toronto. So um, I haven't seen the ticket sales so far, but I uh, just assume it'll be just, just for fun, Leafer fans. What are the tickets worth? Uh, well, tic- tickets, I believe, are selling anywhere between 100 to $500 a pop. Whoa! Yeah. I was hoping 30 40 buck. This is new. It's supposed to be cheap by the front end. It's a two-day are you pass. kidding? It's a two-day pass. So you, it's a homestand for so Toronto Defiant uh, Overwatch. Uh, we'll get to play two home games across the weekend um, where other teams are coming from across the league. And uh, they'll, so they'll play their two games. So you get to go watch all the games in the league for those two days. So you're not just paying for one game. Uh, you're paying for about anywhere between yeah, five to Yeah, think of it more 10. like an expo. Isn't that exciting? And, and uh, what's the date of the event? Uh, uh, I, I believe Call of Duty launches February 8th. And if I'm not mistaken, and Overwatch just around that same time. The or a little bit later. The leagues actually. themselves? Yeah. When the Call of Duty League uh, launches January 25th, I believe, in Minnesota. And the first homestand. I think it's not till April. We're, we're the last game before the, the All-Star break. Uh, we, we have Evan Cubis in the studio. He's a lawyer and an agent now, correct? Uh, you are a, a e-sport, yes, you're an e-sports agent. Uh, if you don't know what that means, Jerry Maguire, he's the man. Uh, Chris Lama, uh, he is uh, the CEO. E.O., is that correct? That's correct. Yep, CEO of Shattered Dreams. That's a good phrase, right? I'm not going to call it. Forget it. I got a new dream. Um, so it is real. Eh? Kids can make money, real money. Can they, they, can, can they create a career? Do you think a sustainable career? I believe they can as long as they're taking the right paths to it. So, um, for example, they can't just be competitive players. Uh, there's not enough tournaments in there right now. So what they're doing outside of competitive tournaments, aside from training, is streaming, so they'll go live on Twitch. They should be going live almost every night if they have the opportunity to. So three, four, at least three or four times a week. Then taking the content that they provide there, putting it into YouTube, putting it into clips, 
in that sense and then putting them there to monetize as well. So they have all kinds of different opportunities for that. So again, Jack, you and I recently read a, read an article where there's an individual who has 20 YouTube channels and I think he's raking in $100,000 a month. Uh, do you know such people? And can you introduce me, Jack, and I if you do? Personally, I, I might know one um, and he's actually one of the players on our League of Legends team. So... Hey, who is he? Uh, he? He goes by Red Mercy. Red Mercy. Yes. Yeah, my kids started rifling off all these names to Jack and I, too. All these individuals and the fame uh, being created. To, you know, this is incredible. These brands are being created. These rock stars, quote unquote, are being created, but in a whole other venue. And it, it is quite foreign to me, I have to admit. Um, but that's what it's all about. It's new. New is exciting. Um, new is investable. Um, new can go so far uh, to the point of, well, over an edge, over a cliff and down. But it's between now and then a lot of money can be made. Uh, the world of esports is highly fragmented. It is tricky to invest in. Um, now, you mentioned to me, gentlemen, that there is a, a, a venture capitalist um, here in Canada that is helping uh, the industry raise capital um, and support funding to good concepts to help them build up those concepts. You want to speak briefly to that? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, someone we work with is a company called uh, Muka Esports. Essentially, uh, Muka Esports. So essentially what they are is a holding company. What they're doing is acquiring smaller esports entities and gaming entities that all complement each other across the ecosystem. And then their plan is to take that whole kind of holding company public via an RTO in Anywhere from six to 12 months. Well, again, when I look at Activision or if I look at Take-Two Interactive, inside the company is multiple brands. And it's hard to keep up with who, who creates what, but it basically was a business of consolidation. Um, so, look, you listen to Hi-Fi Radio. It's a show about money. Uh, what's old is new. What's new is new. Uh, lots of ways to make money. Lots of ways to get hurt. Jack and I are here to guide you down the right path. And, you know, some we may have a few ideas for your child. If uh, university ain't their thing, maybe they are an e-gamer. And, uh, yeah, make it to the big leagues. Uh, Evan Cubis is here to help us, as is Chris Lama. Of course, Jack Hartle and myself, Wolfgang Klein. More of the show right after this. Stay with us. There's more shows still to come. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Stands like a statue becomes part of the machine Feeling all the bumpers Always playing clean Plays by intuition The digit counters fall That deaf thumb of life is Sure plays a mean I love that guitar riff. So that's, you know, rites of passage. Back in my day, if you learned to play guitar, you learned to play that track. You learned that riff. Uh, indeed, you did. It is uh, Hi-Fi Radio, Global News Radio Network, 640 in Toronto. I am Wolfgang Klein, Portfolio Manager. Yes, Manager of Money. Uh, I hope your kid makes it to the big leagues, if that is their dream. Um, but you know something? Dreams do get shattered. Sorry, don't mean to be a Debbie Downer. And Chris Lama's company is called Shattered Dreams. But... Uh, we're here for you. And so in the event that you don't make it, we want to give you a high probable outcome. In fact, a near guarantee. Get your kids to start saving money now, systematically, consistently. And some of 
educate them on the commitment of time. Because if they do it for 20, 30, 40 years, they are going to kiss you and hug you and thank me as well. Uh, I have my son on a plan. Uh, he is 17 years old. He's just about to eclipse $20,000. And I have him saving $100 a week, and I'm matching it. If he sticks to my plan, I believe in 13 years, he will have over $300,000. His younger brother, he may be an e-gamer, e-sport. Or, and I am going to introduce Elliot to Chris Lamb, okay? I'm going to have him meet you one day. He's going to love you. Uh, I'd be very, very excited to come out and see your facility. And your, your, your crew. Okay, we're going to do that, right? Yeah, right. You're, you're committed. Let's, Done. let's make it happen. Um, and we'll bring the, you can bring the lawyer along with you as well if you want, uh, Evan Cubis. Uh, guys, thank you for coming into the studio. Um, Jack, over to you, pal. You asked a couple of really good questions off air. Uh, Jack always spills his popcorn in the lobby. He doesn't want to save it for the movie, but I'm going to force you to pick up that popcorn <laughs> and, and bring it to us here. So go ahead, Jack. Well, we always look at uh, traditional sports, and we see a lot of parallels with esports. And really, it's just an extension esports of traditional sports. And the way the leagues are going, the way they're developing, um, it, it looks very consistent with you know uh, the National Hockey League back in the 20s and 30s was very fragmented too. Ownership wasn't uh, as consolidated as right now. But uh, the question that I yeah, had, so, you know, sorry, Jack, just because you mentioned that back in that day, uh, they traveled by train to play their games, didn't they? From Toronto to Montreal by train, eh? Oh yeah, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh. Um, we're we're talking about home field advantage. So a team for a hockey team typically has they play better at home than they do away, uh, depending on the team. But uh, by and large, that's sort of the case. Uh, we were talking off air. Is there a home field advantage for esports? And if so, what is it? Uh, in some senses, it can be. So I guess we'll see that this year in the the um, Overwatch League and the Call of Duty League, where people are actually going to be playing at their own home court. Right. Uh, so as we said earlier, Roy Thompson Hall and Old Maple Leaf Gardens. Oh, the old guard. Oh, the old, yeah, oh, old, how old cool is that? Yeah, it's, it's pretty pretty cool. Um, so I know some gamers, they complain about lights, they complain about screens, they complain about peripherals, right. mouse and keyboard, whatever it is. So we'll see how that's going to actually affect them when those guys are actually going to get to train with those things in, in their... And, so, and how about the fans? Are the, are the fans going to get on some of these guys? Are they going to be heckling? I mean, we that, hope, That's some of the excitement, right? We hope so. I mean, the fans are, are a key part of... <laughs> A key part of the game. Uh, generally, you have to travel to go see your favorite team play right. uh, in a non-franchised stance. So this is a new territory. Travel to see the team play. You have to travel across the world. So yeah. I see the Grateful Dead. Images of the Grateful yeah. Dead. Um, uh, Evan, uh, Jack asked another question here. So I'm not sure it gets the table here. Um, the life of a gamer. Again, they're, they're not football players. But well, Wolf, I, see all, I, I, miss my, I miss my opportunity with hockey. Now I'm looking at eSports. I see all this money floating around. I see it growing at 30% a year. I maybe got an opportunity, but I'm 40 years old. Yeah. Well, what, so what are the chances of picking up a picking up uh, it's, an it's, esports team? It's very similar to traditional sports in the sense that a, a pro game really has a lifespan of anywhere from three to five years, probably on the lower end of that. Why? For, the reflexes start going out by the time you hit 25 years old. Reflexes? Oh well, you you need to be quick with your hands in order to compete with these guys. Okay, you know, see, pong was limited. No matter how good you got with pong, best case scenario, you got trapped in the corner. So you, you, you limited uh, application. Well, these games are just so technical nowadays that you need to be able to to really control the meta and move quickly. But as it, you as you get older, just like a traditional athlete, like I said, there's a lot of parallels between esports and then regular sports, traditional sports that is. Um, do the older gamers become the coaches, the mentors? Well, older gamers, sure, if 
that is an opportunity for a lot of them to enter the space in that regard. But most of them, I would say, like even the ninjas of the world, the Dr. Loopers of the world are finding more success, for, particularly from a monetary perspective, just focusing on streaming. They got their brand and they're creating content. They got their brand, they're creating content. And when you're streaming, it affords you several different opportunities for revenue streams. Interesting. Well, I was just thinking as you were speaking about the capabilities of the, uh, uh, the technology, uh, immediately took me towards the chips. That is another investable way to play your space. Again, I repeat, folks, it's very difficult to make money as a uh, investor uh, because there's not a lot of esports publicly traded vehicles yet. Uh, There's the software manufacturer, the game manufacturers, which Electronic Arts Activision take two. Jack and I in our growth portfolio own Activision. Moving forward, that's good. But we also own the chip stocks uh, that make the uh, uh, CPUs, is it? Uh, GPUs uh, G- and CPUs. But yeah. yeah, GPUs uh, for and, gaming. And, and certainly for, for when it comes to graphics chips, NVIDIA is the leader. Uh, we do own the NVIDIA stock as well. So it's a indirect way to play the game. But um, this company that uh, is, is, is making the acquisitions and they're going to come public, that could be a very, very interesting Canadian story as long as it can uh, quickly parlay that talent into more of an international phenomenon. Because this is an international phenomenon with question guys right absolutely absolutely yeah and that's something that mookie sports is trying to take advantage of good for you when, when i was in berlin about four years ago there was uh, oft in the artistic part of that city uh was this little it wasn't a pop-up but it was like a makeshift venue where esports gamers from around the world participate i walked in this looked it was just an interesting vibe uh very very interesting vibe it felt a little hippie-ish but very youthful at the same time uh, very organic. Uh, it was a very, very unique phenomena. And of course, being at Canaccord, uh, we had an annual growth conference. I opted for the ride in the Tesla. Jack said I could have opted for the eSports demonstration, correct? That's right. Yeah, they had it this year down in Boston. I would expect them to probably do it again. And that's really what they focus on down in Boston is these really secular growth trends. Um, the, the emerging trends that uh, you can really take advantage of and monetize over the long term. Well, if you have a gamer at home and uh, they are serious about uh, making a living at gaming, Chris Lama, Shattered Dreams, uh, Google them, you'll find them. Uh, and if you're set to cut a deal, Evan Cubis, uh, Litigator, that's the type of lawyer you want, uh, a litigator lawyer to cut a deal for you. Um, show me the money. Uh, show me the money. <laughs> show me the money. Uh, Evan Cubis. Um, it's been a great uh, great show, my good friends. To, uh, an honor to be able to uh, spend an hour of your time with you. Uh, I want to wish you a great weekend. And again, my good friends, compound your money. Growth of wealth is exponential. Please. Be patient. 20, 25 years, you will be so happy, and the fruit will fall off that tree. No picking required, but don't cut down the tree before 25 years. That is wealth creation. Uh, may you have a great weekend. I'm Wolfgang Klein, host of Hi-Fi Radio that airs each and every Saturday on the Global News Radio Network, 640 in Toronto. Listening to Hi Fi Radio with Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hartle, portfolio managers at Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management. For questions about today's show or any money questions you need answered, email Wolf and Jack at WolfgangKlein.com. Hi Fi Radio for the love of money. We'll see you next week.